812 on Wisconsin's Morning News. You think that since more than 50 years ago we had people walking around up there, this would not be that big of a deal half a century later. But the U.S. has not successfully landed on the moon since those Apollo missions. And it's happening today. So a private U.S. lunar lander is orbiting the moon as we speak, hoping to touch down. Nicknamed Odie, right? Yes. Odysseus? Yep, Odie for short. Supposed to land later this afternoon. So what does this mean for the future of space travel, commercial travel? How difficult is what they're doing today do? You know, how difficult is this to be able to even accomplish this? Joining us on the Tri-County Contracting Hotline is Brian Ewinson. He is the Executive Director of Spaceport Sheboygan, and he has also spent many a time in Houston working with the NASA folks and whatnot. Brian, hello. Hello. Good morning. All right. So what's happening today? Let's start with this. How difficult is this? We assume that because this was done 50 years ago. With people. (laughs) That it's just a walk in the park. How much work is put into what they're doing this afternoon? Um, It's never really a walk in the park when we really think about the 50 moon landings, both manned and unmanned vehicles, uh, roughly 50 percent have failed since 1965. Uh, Even though it's only four days away, it's still a pretty good expanse to get over. And the big problem with uh, the moon is there's no atmosphere. So unlike going to Mars where we can do aero braking, we have to have the... uh, Retro rockets work all the way to the surface for a successful soft touchdown. Do you have insight, Brian, on the likelihood for success? I mean, failure is part of experimentation, and that's what space space travel has been for more than half a century. So, I mean, how how likely is it that this is a success? Um, it's uh, basically it's a it's a fifty fifty uh, in most programs. I was lucky enough to spend nearly 25 years training astronauts in the space shuttle program. And uh, when we look at the space shuttle, for example, that was uh, 2.5 million movable parts. Our expected reliability was 99%. We still have 2,500 systems failures on a successful flight, all built by the lowest bidder on a government contract. (laughs) And that hasn't changed, right? (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, Well, what has has changed with this one is this is commercial lunar payload services. So uh, basically, this program was created to delegate cargo services to the private sector, which will allow NASA to have uh, better savings, but also stimulate basically a lunar economy where these smaller companies can get uh, skin in the game. Well, Brian, yeah, that's that's another question I have for you. When you have all of these different entities involved, I mean, back in the day it was NASA. And not that NASA didn't have contractors, you know, various contractors, some of whom you've consulted for and worked mm-hmm. with, you know, contributed to that project. But it was like this was NASA's baby. And, you know, NASA's government allotment now is about one-tenth of what it was back in the day when we were landing on the moon. But how do all of these entities work together? You know, maybe one company's putting the rocket up there and another company designed the lander and then another company might be seeing it down to the surface. How do they all work together to make it happen? And well, it's a bit of a misnomer that NASA 
you know, developed any of these projects like Mercury, Gemini, Apollo, the shuttle. Uh, NASA has never actually built a spacecraft. It's always been contractors, but we're looking at a, a different model of being private sector, uh, not necessarily contractors in the old sense of contractors, but allowing smaller companies, as you say, to get skin in the game. When we look at the CLIPS program, which is what this is called, uh, you know, we got our 23,000 approved acronyms at NASA. So the CLPS is the Commercial Lunar Payload Services Program. Uh, but the companies involved in this, these moon landings rate from small companies like Intuitive Machines today, uh, but also SpaceX, Blue Origins, and Lockheed Martin are part of the nine funded CLIPS missions. Um, but they do have to integrate all of their services and programs to make it a make it a success. Uh, so they are competitive, but at the same time, they have to work hand-in-hand to make it a, a realistic chance of success. Ryan Ewinton joins us on Wisconsin's Morning News, the executive director of Spaceport Sheboygan, also spent a quarter of a century training astronauts and whatnot with the space shuttle program. All right, so Brian, when they land, because I'm going to say when, not if, when it lands today and there's a success, then what's the plan? Like, what's what's the expectation with this lunar Mon- I don't know, what would you call it, a rover? Uh, this will actually be a lander. It's going to be uh, where it lands is where it's going to stay. Okay. It'll have about seven days of operations before the, uh, because we're going to the solar, uh, the South Pole, uh, we have limited uh, visibility and light. So we'll have about seven days of operations uh, on the surface before we run out of light to keep the project going, but there's uh, nine different experiments from NASA, uh, commercial providers, as well as a variety of universities. Uh, so th- it will perform science experiments. It's going to be testing uh, technologies as well as demonstrating capabilities that will eventually help us to get people to the moon on Artemis starting in 2027. So, Brian, later this decade, when we, or at least as is scheduled, try to put people walking around on the surface of the moon once again, is that more or less difficult now, more than a half century later? I feel like somehow, because you talked about all the the moving parts on the spacecraft that we've designed, like in some ways, I wonder if it's gotten harder. Um, It certainly has never been easy, and I don't think it's necessarily gotten harder, but in, uh, in a sense... It will be more difficult. We're going to a part of the moon where we've never been. We have extreme light uh, situations, but we are going there for in-situ resource allocation, which is a really big word to say uh, there are resources on the moon that are in abundance but are in rarity here on Earth. Uh, So it is looking at developing, as we say, a wider lunar economy. Uh, Our future astronauts are not going to be fighter pilots and test pilots are going to be geologists Mm -hmm. and miners to help Earth become a better place. Brian, I feel like we've been talking about Mars for 20 years now. I know it's been longer than that, but I feel like the last 20 years it's been like, ooh, we might go to Mars. When when is that actually going to happen? If If you were asked to make a prediction on when a human will step on the red planet, what year would would float into your brain? 
realistically, we're still 25 to 30 years away from that. And it's, and, it, and it's basically, it's not the technology, it's the fact of the human body. A trip to Mars right now with present technology, it's six to nine months to get there. We have to stay a year and a half to two years till the planets line up again in another six to nine month trip home, which means a three and a half to five year mission. The longest any person has spent in space to date consecutively is 427 days, and they came back in a pretty, uh, pretty bad, pretty bad way physically. Right, their bones uh, so shrink in, and whatnot. Their bones shrink, muscle mass loss, uh, radiation exposure. Uh, right now, a trip to Mars would be a one-way trip, and I know we don't use the word morals and ethics with any government most of the time. But as a government <laughs> agent. <laughs> As a government agency, you can't say to an astronaut, we're sending you on a mission where you're 100% not coming back alive. So until we have better, quicker transportation to Mars, I don't think it's going to happen for at least 20, 25 years. Hey, Brandon, while we had you, I wanted to ask you about this report that uh, the agencies who send air, uh, spacecraft up into Earth orbit are becoming increasingly concerned about all the trash that is just up there floating around, remaining in Earth orbit, but has not fallen back to Earth and burned up on reentry. Um, and it's just sitting up there. And as we have more and more debris up there, that becomes a real problem, not only if you want to leave Earth orbit and head to the moon or to the Mars, or but if also if you want to put you know, billions of dollars worth of satellites up there, boy, all it takes is one collision, running into a piece of space junk, and that can knock that satellite out of service. Is that a serious concern? That's a very serious concern. Uh, not sure if you're aware that the candidate arm on the space station actually has a hole just below its elbow joint where a micrometeorite went right through the arm from one side to the other. And had it, had it been maybe two or three feet or two or three, sorry, two to three inches higher and gone right through that joint, that $110 million arm would have been, uh, out of commission permanently. Uh, we do have one of the windows on the cupola. There's a significant dent in one of those high-grade optical windows. Uh, there's NORAD is able to track, I believe it's about 60,000 pieces of space junk the size of a softball or bigger, but anything smaller than that we can't track, so it's a very serious concern. Well, how do we get it out of there? Can we just deploy a giant space net and just sort of lasso yeah, yeah. it? Huh? Or push it back uh, into the atmosphere somehow? Uh, most recently, uh, Japan, I believe, just sent up a new spacecraft. There's going to be a garbage collector, garbage truck kind of collector. Uh, I'm not sure how that mission is operating just yet, but uh, it's something that we're really going to have to mitigate. Otherwise, we're going to have uh, problems getting to space or staying in space. Well, it remains, what, the most watched television event in the history of humankind? The moon landing. Today will be the second most watched. I'm just kidding. It won't be. <laughs> when we put people up there, it will. You yeah. think so? Yes. Everyone's going to want to see that. All right. Brian, I'm sure you'll be watching. Thank you so much. By the way, Brian, I should mention, uh, Vince here is wearing a T-shirt that says, It is rocket science. You know what I mean? It's got a Pedic. picture of the space shuttle launching <laughs> into beyond. Well, a lot of us like to say it's not brain surgery. <laughs> Indeed, it's not. <laughs> Brian Ewinson of Spaceport Sheboygan, the executive director there. Thank you, Brian. Appreciate your time. You're very welcome. Thank you. He's going to have a blast today. This is a Super Bowl. I should ask him. Right? What a great party. day. Watch party. Why not?